Today on Ag News Daily. InfoAg has started in 1994 and has been a uh, premier conference on precision ag. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. It is Mike Pearson, your co-host for Ag News Daily, and I am joined by Delaney Howell. Now, Delaney, today is the longest day of the year. It is the summer solstice. Oh, yeah, that's right. Are you making the most of all this daylight? Well, I have to work tonight until 10, so maybe it'll still be light when I get off. You think so or not? It'll be close. You know, I I think the sun officially sets at like 9.15, 9... I don't know. Okay. I, I, I hate how it gets so bright though in the morning. It drives like the 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 sun will shine in and wake me up, so I can't sleep in. Hmm. What time does the sun there come into your room? Like six thirty, six forty-five. Oh, okay. It's and, pretty early. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. You know, maybe not to a farmer, but you know. Well, I'm not even much of a farmer. I just like to get my sleep. I was listening to the radio yesterday, and it said people who take the time to sleep in on the weekends are healthier and happier people because it allows your body to recoup, and I'm just doing it on the weekday instead. Blah. You'll sleep when you're <laughs> dead, Delaney. That's the way to do it. Just <laughs> except, work, 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 work. Except if I don't get enough sleep, and then I cause myself stress and all sorts of other health issues, then I could die. And then, you know, it's like, well, maybe I should have slept a little more. Well, but think how much sleep you'll get then. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah. So anyway, longest day of the year. It's the summer solstice. <laughs> and uh The first day of summer too, right? Right, yeah. Yeah, the first day of of summer. Right, yeah, no, you're exactly right. Um so we are officially in the summer. Now we've had uh, hot weather across a lot of the corn bell. I was listening to some uh flight attendants yesterday and they said that they were heading out to Phoenix, but they were nervous because it was so hot in Phoenix. It was like hundred and twenty degrees you know, not including the uh, heat index, that they they thought maybe there it would be too hot for their plane to take off. And I saw that actually dozens of flights were canceled out of Phoenix yesterday because it was so hot. So there's summer for you. Wait, wait, wait. You flew to Minneapolis? No, 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 no. These were just flight attendants like at the hotel. Oh, okay. They were, they'd flown to Minneapolis and they were going to fly I out gotcha. and they were just chatting okay. in the elevator. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's Phoenix is where they were headed. Gotcha. Yeah, so at least it's not that hot. So, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, today's what... pretty cold. I mean, yeah. not cold, but cool. Right, it's cool. The cows are happy. Mm-hmm. I'm happy. Good, good. So, Delaney, <laughs> what do we have in the world of news? In the world of news, yesterday, Secretary Perdue hosted the Canadian Agriculture Minister and the Mexican Agriculture Secretary in Georgia to talk about NAFTA. And also he was giving them a little tour of his home state. But agriculture was, of course, top priority for them. And Secretary Perdue said it's entirely correct to modify this agreement. You know, it hasn't been modified since the 1990s. And agriculture has made a lot of changes since then. So he thinks it's important. Obviously, dairy is at the top of the list, as well as apparently wheat has been um, a top priority and also wine trying to get u.s and mexican wine into canada because i believe currently only canadian wine is allowed so there's a lot of things going forward on august 16th they are trying to start 
formal negotiations and discussions to move forward. So we're still in that 90-day consultation period with domestic lawmakers. Congress can weigh in, people, just general public. So August 16th is really the date to watch for as we progress forward with NAFTA talks and renegotiations. Yes, and there was actually a follow-up story to that. Robert Lighthizer, who will be, he's the U.S. trade rep, and he will be our chief negotiator at the NAFTA agreement. He came out today and uh, was talking about what this process is going to look like. And he said there is no deadline to how long these negotiations could take. His hope Mm -hmm. is to get it done by the end of the year. But he says, quote, "There there are a lot of people who think that is completely unrealistic. Right. And uh, he says that they are looking, they're shooting for that mid-August time frame, but they are still in the process right now of negotiating exactly when that first day will be. Will it be the 16th? Will it be the 18th? They're still trying to suss out uh, a lot of those details. But this progress, this process is going to get started here relatively shortly. Yeah, it definitely is. What else you got? Well, in other news, Secretary Purdue has been having another busy week because today he and President Trump and Secretary Wilbur Ross are in Kirkwood, or well, in at Kirkwood Community College, which is in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, to view the college. Apparently, Kirkwood Community College is the largest two-year ag college in the school in the nation, which I didn't realize, and I it's only you know an hour from either. home. Yeah, and uh, yeah. in fact, the the beef science students at Kirkwood were the folks who cared for my new bull. And they uh, oh, really? They did all the semen tests on them. So good oh, students there on the beef side, yeah. So they are touring their um, agriculture program today. And they're also hoping to talk about rural development, specifically rural broadband and Internet, because I can attest to this. My parents' Wi-Fi is... I can't do anything on it. I can't watch Netflix. I can't even hardly check my email. So there's a lot of areas that suffer from rural Wi-Fi or rural. I mean, a lot of people still have broadband. Hopefully nobody still has dial up, but I wouldn't be surprised if people did. And, you know, I actually not that long ago heard a statistic. It's a staggering number of people in Mm -hmm. rural America are still on dial up. That's the best they can get. Oh, gosh. Well, so part of. President Trump's infrastructure bill hopefully will, you know, spur some development there with rural Wi-Fi and rural broadband and dial up. So that's one of the things he's hoping to talk about today. And tonight he has a rally type meeting or campaign, you could say, um, in Cedar Rapids. And that starts at 4 p.m. So I'm sure we will hear a lot more from his tour of the college and from his speech tonight. And we will report on that tomorrow. That's right. We'll uh, bring you up to speed on everything. So is Secretary Purdue speaking as well, or is it just Trump this afternoon? I'm not positive on that. I know Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds will be there and Secretary Bill Northey. So I assume assume a couple of them will at least speak. But the sources I'm looking at don't specify who is speaking besides President Trump. Gotcha. And uh, I remember President Trump was supposed to come to Cedar Rapids a month, maybe six weeks ago, but he was called back to D.C. Maybe it was even sooner than that because he was uh, he decided to make his 
uh, pullout of the Paris Climate Change Agreement mm-hmm. that day. So we, he had to cancel his Cedar Rapids talk. So I think he's kind of making this up, and it's great that uh, Purdue and Wilbur Ross were able to travel over with him. Yep. So as we are talking about traveling, of course, whether it is by car or by plane, Delaney, have you noticed gas prices recently? Well, I filled up this morning, and it was I had to get just regular unleaded because they didn't have E15, and I think it was almost two dollars. Right, and so you were filling up with E10 probably, uh, that ten yep. percent ethanol blend. I just saw here in Grinnell when I was downtown earlier that uh, E10 gas here in town is a buck ninety-six. Wow, yeah. I'm coming to Grinnell to fill up. You bet, save that four cents. You put ten gallons <laughs> in. Hey, you just put forty cents in your pocket. Yeah. Um, well, there's a reason for that, of course, and that is that oil prices continue to fall. Oil prices, the reason that gas keeps getting cheaper is oil prices continue to fall. In fact, uh, they're down about 3% to a 10-month low in a heavy trading today, and this means that this is the biggest drop in oil prices for the first half of the year in the past 20 years. Ordinarily, at mm. this point, we're seeing gas prices increase as folks get out and drive and they travel more as the summer's approaching. But that's not the case this year. Crude touched a low today of 42.13. That's the lowest level since August of 2016. Jeez. Hey, that's not bad for um, consumers at the gas pump, though. Yeah, exactly. And hopefully, if folks are saving money on gas, they can pour it into their groceries and buy some more high-end cuts of protein like steak yeah. and pork chops and shrimp and, you know, jumbo chicken breasts or <laughs> eggs or whatever. Speaking of pork, uh, Seaboard Triumph Foods was planning to open their Sioux City, Iowa plant I think the end of summer, but now they're saying they're going to have to push back a month or two because of equipment and construction time. And I, I think we reported on this plant before, but just for a frame of reference, this facility is going to cost $300 million to construct, and it has the capacity to slaughter 21,000 hogs per day. Yeah. That is a lot so, of little mm-hmm. piggies going to market right there. <laughs> it is. 21000 per day. Now, Delaney, while we're on the topic of livestock, you had some pretty cool breaking news about our friends in South America, didn't you? Yes. Would you JBS, share that? I would love to. So we've been following JBS a lot because just more pieces really are coming out as we continue following the story. And so, I don't, what was it, two weeks ago that they finally had their settlement yes do you yep. remember two weeks okay. ago they paid their fine in exchange of uh, going to jail mm-hmm. so that was um 1.8 billion u.s dollars and so with this new leniency they're planning to sell off quite a bit of their assets um, they're going to sell off 19 percent of their stake in the brazil-based dairy company bigger alimentos along with its Northern Ireland unit, Moy Park, and Five Rivers Cattle Feeding Company in North America, which Five Rivers has just right around a million head of cattle in the United States with locations in Colorado, Kansas, Oklahoma, Texas, Arizona, and Idaho. So that will be up for grabs. 
And this Moy Park, which I wasn't really familiar with it until I read the article, but it is one of Britain's top 10 food companies with 13 processing and manufacturing units in Northern Ireland, England, France, the Netherlands, and Ireland. Wow. So, and how much are they hoping to raise by selling off these assets? Do you know? I think they're trying to make up that $1.5 billion. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. $1.8 billion. Yeah, jeez. $1.8, yeah. Yeah, man. So. so anybody, if you've got your checkbook open and want to get into the <laughs> cattle feeding business, that, those Five Rivers lots, man, you they're huge. Feed a lot of cattle. Yeah. Well, and so now there's an interesting follow-up, or maybe a prelude to this sale. So earlier today, uh, we've got two pieces of information. Earlier today, both of these things happened. Uh, a Brazil judge blocked the sale. From JBS, they were trying to sell about $300 million worth of their South American assets to Minerva, a, a, a food company in South America, and a federal judge in Brazil blocked that sale. Uh, they said that uh, they could not sell their JBS beef plants in Argentina, Paraguay, and Uruguay because that could harm the investigation of corruption, which has ensnared JBS in Brazil. This was followed up by Brazil's attorney general requesting today that state auditors uh, freeze the assets belonging to JBS SA and its controlling stake shareholders, which would include JNF Investimentos and the Batista brothers. And um, basically, they're trying to guarantee the reimbursement of $255 million in damages suffered by the state bank, BNDES, mm -hmm. that they'd loaned to uh, JBS over the years. So all kinds of, uh, of uh, I don't know, back and forth, tug of war type activity yeah. between the government of Brazil and JBS. So it makes sense that they would try to liquidate some of their assets outside the country, I suppose. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I didn't realize they had that far reach either. They had yeah. that their fingers in a little bit of everything they they are truly global i mean they are mm -hmm. the world's number one meat packer hmm. so. well mike do you have any other news for today or should we look at how this news has affected the markets well let's look at how today's news impacted the markets the big news today was continued fa continuing favorable weather you know we had pop-up storms across much of the midwest we had the july corn contract drop one and a quarter cents to finish at 368 and three quarters december corn dropped one and a quarter as well to close at 386 and three quarters in soybeans big day to the downside july old crop beans dropped nine cents closed at 918 and three quarters november beans down 11 cents to finish at 927 and three quarters in the wheat pit, big reversal off of yesterday's, uh, actually off the past three weeks, uh, big run-up in Chicago wheat, July wheat, Chicago July wheat dropped eight cents to close at 464 and a half. December wheat down seven cents, finished the day at 502 even. Looking over at the world of livestock, uh, all of the JBS fluffering and floffering about certainly uh, would appear to have an impact on the market in addition to just this continued technical breakdown we're looking at in the live cattle market. There was some light cash trade reported today out of Kansas at the $122, $123 range on a live basis. And that wasn't the only cash trade around $123. The uh, Fed Cattle Exchange is back to its regular Wednesday sale. Happened today at 10 a.m. And uh, 457 head were sold out of 2,100 head listed. And the average price of that sale was $1.20, was $123, a hundredweight. So there's that downward push in the trade. 
In the futures markets, the August live cattle contract dropped 55 cents to close at 115.35. October live cattle down 47.5, finished at 113.02.5. In feeder cattle, finally a little bounce to the upside. August feeders up 72.5 cents, closed at 144.65. September feeders also up 72.5, finished at 144.05. Lean hogs, that uptrend continues. July lean hogs up a dollar oh seven and a half. Close the day at eighty six oh seven and a half. Delaney, I think we ought to get our friend Jim Burns back on to this seems like we're heading back to his predicted target of ninety bucks, don't you think? Yeah, it really does. We'll shoot a message out to Jim and see if he can come on shortly and uh, maybe revise his target upwards. August lean hogs up 57.5 cents, closed at 82.22 and a half. In milk, July class three milk futures dropped two cents to close the day at 15.95. Now, Delaney, you made an announcement yesterday. You and I will be headed down to St. Louis, Missouri at the end of July to be a part of the Info Ag Conference, and we want to learn a little bit more about it, don't we? Yeah, we do. This is a new conference to me, and I think to you as well. It is. I've never but been. It, yeah, it looks like a lot of these companies are kind of on the cutting edge of precision ag, and they're pretty techie, so those are the kind of people I think we want to hang out with. You bet. And how are we going to learn more about this conference, Delaney? We are talking to the conference secretary, Quinton Run, today. And I'll just kick it off to Quentin. All right, folks. Well, today, as promised, we are talking to Quentin Rund. And Quentin is the conference secretary for the InfoAg conference coming up this summer at the end of July. And Quentin, tell us a little bit about who's going to be at InfoAg this year. Well, it'll be uh, all sorts of people who are interested in precision agriculture uh, InfoAg has started in 1994 and has been a, uh, premier conference on precision ag. We attract primarily about half of our audience is going to be retailers, crop consultants, uh, people that are working with farmers, uh, helping them to adopt and implement, uh, new technologies. Um, but then we also get uh, a number of agribusiness people and, uh, uh, maybe 10 to 15% of farmers, some of the ones that are really interested in, in putting it to use on a lot of acres. Um, so our conference, we expect about 1,400 people this year. So it'll be a good mix of people that are interested in the industry. Quentin, it looks like a lot of people on the exhibitor list are businesses that are fairly new. Is this a good place for a lot of new businesses to launch products or what what benefits would a producer get of of attending this conference to see these exhibitors? Well, that's a good observation there on the exhibit hall. It's been fun to watch the exhibit hall over the years um, and how it's changed. It seems like uh, every year we get some consolidations and then some new people pop up. So it is a place for uh, established companies to release new products and new companies to show off what their new ideas are um, so that that's been a that's been a good force of InfoAg. One of the great things about coming to the conference, in addition to the educational program, is the exhibit hall, and it's a great chance to talk with not just salespeople about uh, the software or hardware that's out there, but you actually get to talk to the engineers and the people who have developed this stuff, and you can, as well as other people who have are using it. 
and you really build a nice network of, of people that are knowledgeable in implementing this in the field. And uh, all of our attendees have been really uh, amazed at the network that's available at InfoAct. Now, you mentioned that the conference has been around since 1994, and how long have you been a part of it? Ah, uh, since 94. <laughs> so that, that's incredible. I mean, we think back to the mid-90s. That was when we first really started to see yield monitors coming onto the scene. We started to really see that application of information technology to agriculture. What are some of the trends you've seen that have you excited about the future of the industry going forward? Well, uh, uh, that's a great question. Probably... The, one of the biggest things is just the usability of the stuff. It used to be people had to be dedicated and really interested in making technology pay in order to get all the equipment and software to work together. But the companies have done a good job, the people have done a good job of making it so much easier to use now. So we see it, um, we see that implemented vertically throughout the market there with the farmers being able to use it a little easier. I know they're still still issues and, and being able to move data back and forth, but those are all topics that get covered at InfoAg, and uh, that's been one of the, the greatest trends I've seen is just the ease of use and the usability of all the tools, hardware and software. You no longer need to be a uh, computer science student to uh, make a lot of this stuff work. <laughs> no, that's right. It does help, but uh, but you're right. You can... Yeah, you can just use the touch screens, and a lot of these things are coming in on the iPad screens now, and and uh, it's just amazing to see those great strides take place. Quentin, we're talking technology, and a lot of older farmers are scared or nervous to use technology. So do you see a lot of the producers or farmers attending the conference? Do you see a lot of those being younger people and younger producers, or are there still a good mix of age that attend the conference? Well, you know, I'm uh, I, having been around the conference for a while, I'm kind of the member of that, that gray-haired club. But <laughs> it is fun to see the conference attendees. You, you don't see all the gray hair. They're out there, but we've we've developed a, a great mix of younger people that are interested in the technology and putting them putting it to work in the field, and that's been, I think, our biggest growth area in our attendees has been the younger, uh, the younger people that are working with this technology. Now, so I talked, would encourage, oh. if, yeah, oh, I'm sorry, if, if we have some farmers out there that were, are interested in how to put this together, um, InfoAg's a great place to to take a look at that and, and learn from others that are doing it. You know, and that's that's so key, and that's one of the great aspects of a conference like this, is you get people together who are both interested and knowledgeable in, in a specific subset of this industry, and then you get that information shared by people who have tried it in the field. That's, you know, conferences are fantastic for, for that kind of, of networking. And... Quentin, you know, we've talked a little bit about what's going on in the exhibit hall, but now you also have, have speakers and presenters lined up. Can you tell us a little bit about who uh, who's going to be there presenting and talking and what folks might see? Yeah, our, our, I'm very proud of our educational program, oh, not only this year, but just over the years. Uh, we offer a mix of plenary and then breakout sessions, and then we also have a track of hands-on workshops. So, um uh, this year we'll have a great lineup. Uh, 
Steve Sonka uh, is our opening keynote speaker, going to talk about uh, digital agriculture, and he's always thought-provoking. I, I really like his subject for this year, so um, I think that's going to be a great kickoff, get everybody thinking about how to make all this stuff pay. Um, we've got a terrific lineup in our in our breakout sessions. We have five concurrent tracks, so there's always something available that you'll be interested in as an attendee. Um, we have one track that's on um, uh, more agronomy focus, so nitrogen management, nutrient management, uh, some of the new technologies out there for uh, dry fertilizer applications, uh, and just some new thinking in variable rate nutrients. We have our sponsor showcase, so you asked earlier about new releases of products. Our sponsors use this opportunity to, to talk about the new software and hardware that and services that they're going to offer. Um, we have our workshop track, so this year we have a, an interesting mix of, of uh, taking a look at precision ag for CCAs and uh, weather data, how to select the right weather data tool for your needs. Um, we have uh, several sessions this year, including a workshop on the Internet of Things, so how to network all these sensors to relay information back to a central location. Um, and we do have a, a number of topics on uh, just data analysis and working with larger data sets, how to do that on your own farm, and then how to aggregate that data across multiple farms. And then we also, given that uh, a large percentage of our audience is on the dealership side, uh, we're offering a, a series of tra uh, breakout sessions on just precision services, how different companies are offering services and how they're uh, selling those services out to farmers, how they're representing um, uh, servicing that precision ag business to growers. Okay. Quentin, I have a question. So Monday, there's going to be a pre-conference tour, and on the website infoag.org, it's a little vague on what those three locations are for the pre-conference tour. Can you tell us what that is, or is it a top secret? You know, it, it's been top secret up to now. Uh, you guys get the, the breaking news here. Um, <laughs> uh, we, we're just going to release our tour here a little bit later today. Uh, and we'll have stops at uh, the Cortex uh, Information Center in St. Louis. So it's a really neat, innovative uh, space um, in the St. Louis downtown area. Um, and so we'll take a look at that and their tech shop. They have a 3D modeling uh, print shop there. So entrepreneurs, people who are uh, inventing new hardware or new devices can actually print prototypes there. So we'll tour that. That'll be one of the stops. We'll also stop in at, at Climate Corp. So we'll get a, a behind-the-scenes look at what's going on at Climate. That should be pretty interesting. And then our, our afternoon stop will be um, out at an airfield uh, near St. Charles. We'll, uh, we'll stop out there and we'll have some UAV demonstrations and probably some other equipment out there as well. Some different vendors will participate. But our UAV demonstrations uh, will be the, the kind of the capstone on the tour. Wow. Yeah, so definitely. That is the Monday pre-conference tour uh, first being announced, uh, you know, here today on, uh, what is today, Wednesday? Yeah. Wednesday, Wednesday. yes, the 21st <laughs> here on Ag News Daily. So thanks, for Quentin, for sharing that. 
And uh, now I understand that you've already filled up all of the spaces in the exhibit hall. Is that correct? Well, uh, we do have uh, the main floor is full. We do have a, a few booths uh, options still available, though. Oh, so. fantastic! So if if companies would still like to get involved, they can uh, they can still do so. That's correct. Perfect. And tell us, Quentin, for people that are interested in attending the conference, where can they go to learn more? How can they register? And uh, when should they register by to make sure they can get in on that uh, that sweet pre-conference tour? Okay. Well, very good. Uh, our website is infoag.org, uh, and there's a registration button on the homepage. You can register online, or if you prefer, you can download a PDF and fax in a registration. That's fine as well. Uh, we do have uh, an early registration discount available through June 30th. So starting in July, the registration rates will go up. So in, in the next week and a half here would be a good time to get registered. And it is in St. Louis. And what are the dates, just so we know that everybody's on the same page? Uh, well, the dates of the conference will be July 25th through the 27th, uh, with the pre-conference tour on July 24th. And we're at the Union Station in St. Louis. Wow, that's right downtown or, or right out of the mm -hmm. downtown. You know, that facility, uh, we started there in, uh, we moved there, I guess, in 2014, and that facility is just fantastic. It's a neat old train station, so it has some history there, but uh, they keep adding some new features as they renovate uh, different aspects of the hotel, so it's been a nice home and a great fit for InfoAg. All right, folks, you heard it. End of July, you're done spraying. We're not quite on that third cutting of hay yet. You've got a little bit of downtime to make the trip over to St. Louis for the InfoAg Conference 2017. Hear about what's new in Precision Ag, what's driving the future of our industry as we get to that next level. Move beyond focusing on mechanization and add focus on uh information technology and data and drones and every everything is fascinating so quentin thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us is there anything else uh, you'd like to tell our listeners no there's plenty of room please come on down and uh i'm sure you'll be pleased with your experience thank you very much for the interview today again that was quentin rund the conference secretary for info ag and if you're interested in attending the conference mike and i will be there you know maybe we could carpool down i don't know but uh, i think it sounds like a really great opportunity to learn if you are considering branching out into some other areas of precision agriculture for your operation yeah or like uh, like quentin mentioned during the interview if you are a company in precision ag and you want to get in front of mm -hmm. 1400 people they've still got a couple of spots open so yeah. i think that's going to be pretty neat it'll be good for me because delaney you have worked with me enough trying to get this podcast launched i'm not much of a tech guru am i no. No. None of my tractors have anything like RTK or guidance or precision, anything. The closest I come to precision is me driving, you know? I'd like Great. to have something fancy in the Alice Chalmers 76, but uh, 7060, but, uh, you know, I probably ought to fix the windows first. 
I'm really excited to see the drone demonstration because I've been considering getting my commercial drone license and getting a drone because a lot of people like drone footage and you know I think there's a market out there for that yeah yeah because it's awesome to watch footage from Mm -hmm. 200 400 feet up in the air well tomorrow Delaney I am very honored I get to uh MC the uh, women's landowner conference over in Brooklyn Iowa and you will be there we will be covering that event talking to a lot of the speakers including our friend uh, Margie the uh, founder of farm her yeah that's right and next week we're going to be hanging out with Margie some more during their first ever farm her professionals conference in Des Moines that's right so uh, we will be We will be up to speed on the issues impacting women in agriculture Mm -hmm. and in rural America in general. So that will be pretty exciting. Yeah, it will be. So with that, ladies and gentlemen, we'd encourage all of you to check out our website at agnewsdaily.com. Download and subscribe to us on iTunes. And you can also subscribe right on the website if you want it to uh, be emailed to you every single day. And uh, friend us on Facebook, Twitter. Tell us what you'd like to hear more about, and we will try to cover it for you. And with that, Delaney, should we let the people go? Let's let them go.